0: Tony Parks podcast that was a fun weekend oh my goodness you had a feeling it might go that way but you didn't know Friday was going to be quite as good as it was and the Utah Jazz defeat the Denver Nuggets on Friday and Sunday to take a three games to one series lead they do it with dominance from their offense And they had a terrific defensive game on Friday. Uh, Then on Sunday, they trail for a lot of the game. Their offense comes through time and time again. The defense for the Nuggets continues to be awful. And it has been the biggest decider in the series, in my opinion. Uh, because it was the biggest weakness in the series. It was awful again, as we expected it to be, uh, and uh, it's been awful since the start of the bubble, that being the defense of the Denver Nuggets. Uh, the Utah Jazz have a chance to end this series in five, and more importantly, one of their star players has now started to play like a superstar. Thanks so much for listening to the Tony Parks Podcast. You can find us, as always, on all forms of social media, at Tony Parks 801. You can email me, Tony Parks 801 at gmail.com, and you can listen to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Peak Three on Three Basketball. Uh, go to peak3on3basketball.com and see why Farmington City has the perfect situation for your child to enjoy competing in the game of basketball and having fun in a safe environment. Uh, It's for kids that are in grades uh, 3 through 12 from September 26th through October 24th. So uh, make sure to go to peak3on3basketball.com for more information. I'll talk about it more here in just a moment. Uh, Lifting the curtain today, one of the most surreal things... Uh, that ever happened while working with athletes actually happened when working with Donovan Mitchell. Now, I know a lot of this podcast today is going to be about Mitchell, but there's one cool behind-the-scenes story I think you'll like. Uh, It was during the summer of 2017. Now, you have to remember, uh, July 4th, of course, you you won't forget, Gordon Hayward leaves the Utah Jazz. Uh, The media wanted reaction from so many different people. They got reaction from someone like Rudy Gobert. Uh, Jazz fans felt like they were betrayed. They definitely didn't like the way uh, that he handled it on the 4th of July with the circus that was that day. And not calling Gail Miller, of course, was was not cool. But while I was covering Summer League that year, so this is like less than a week later, I was really excited about watching Donovan Mitchell as well. So I had uh, a chance to watch him a lot in college while I was doing the AP voting and when I was on the All-American Selection Committee. Uh, I always liked him. And while I was happy with the pick and the trade and all of that, I never expected him to be as good as he has been in his career. I mean, this has been truly spectacular. Now, one thing I like to do with a number of of different players, like I've done this with a number of different media members too, so like Tony Jones and Eric Woodyard I I would do this with, is I'll randomly give them a highlight of their basketball game as Marv Albert. So I've, I've even done this for referees in the G League when I'm at the scores table and they're getting ready for the game. I'll just be like, and the officials for game four of this Western Conference final, Natalie Sago, John Butler, and Suyosh Mehta. So just throwing that out there kind of makes it fun. It gives them the feel of of kind of what their hopes and dreams are in the future because that's kind of what they would want is to hear their name called by Marv Albert in the future for, you know, a really big game on a really big stage. So I'd do it for Niang. He'd be, like, in the corner warming up, uh, shooting corner threes. And this would even be before he'd get, you know, any time in the league, really, even though he was, like, with the Jazz playoff team in 2018. Uh, But he'd be with the Stars. And I'd be getting ready for, like, the walkthrough of our game ops. And I'd just be like, here's Niang for three. Yes, George Niang is on fire. You know, and he would love that kind of stuff. He'd give it a quick laugh while he continued to warm up. So one day at Summer League in Las Vegas, 2017, we're in the corner at Cox Pavilion. Now, Cox Pavilion is part of the Thomas and Mac, but it's not the main court. And I was supposed to interview Mitchell for our radio show. It's going to be pre-recorded. So I just stood there waiting for him to come out. And when he came out, I go, and Donovan Mitchell is on fire. He has 41 points, and the Jazz have taken the lead. Now, he grew up outside of New York, was a Knicks fan, and has heard Marv Albert in all of his years uh, watching the NBA, so he's really familiar with Marv, obviously, so he smiled, his eyebrows kind of go up, and that, like, oh, wow, hey, yeah, and he goes, "You know, I, I like the sound of that, and he was laughing, and we had a fun moment uh, interacting before uh, I did the interview, because me throwing that out there to someone like Tony Jones and George Niang, it, you know, it makes them smile, I do it for Tony Jones all the time. And Tony Jones has 47 points, and the Taylorsville Rec Center has exploded to life. You know, something fun like that. He, he gets a kick out of it. And Tony Jones has not passed the ball one time in the entire season. So while doing all of that, I mentioned, as you noticed, in that call for Donovan Mitchell, going back to that, When I did the Marv comment, he had 41 points. Well, it's exaggerated. It's completely over the top. That's the point, because it kind of gets a laugh out of him, like it would Tony Jones, Tony Bradley, George Niang, Eric Woodyard, whoever, right? So, little did we know, on December 1st of 2017, Donovan Mitchell, you know, what, five months later, is played one month of NBA basketball, and he goes out there and scores 41 points. Exactly. 41 points it was completely mind-blowing I was messing around it actually turned out to be something that would happen and so so Tony Jones I see him that night uh just there in the tunnel and we're talking and Tony said I thought the most important thing he goes this isn't a dude in his rookie year having a breakout performance in March you know where maybe the other team isn't really playing for anything this is a dude who went out and scored 41 points on December 1st and is leading this team now that jazz team the discussion was could they make the playoffs well not only did they make the playoffs they won 29 of their last 35 you know they were the five seed they won a first round series they even took a game from Houston on the road so it was really really cool to have that experience and then seeing Donovan after the game (laughs) after 41 points which is exactly what Marv was talking about randomly in the corner of Cox Pavilion uh, by their makeshift locker room uh, that they used to have. Uh, I was big on Donovan Mitchell when he got drafted um, by the Jazz. I thought he had a chance to be a very good player in the summer of 2017. I had no idea he would reach anywhere near the level that he's reached this past weekend. Now, as his career has gone on, you could start to see, okay, this is a budding superstar as he was starting to hit different levels. But right now, Donovan uh, Mitchell has hit a level that we've witnessed only once in Jazz history, in my opinion. And maybe we kind of witnessed that. Because in his third year hitting superstar level, what he's done in this first-round series, and I know there's plenty of games still to be played, is comparable to Carl Malone in his 1988 playoff year. That's the only thing that I could even think of it being comparable to. And by the way, Carl never hit 50, Never hit 51, 57. Carl had 50 once in a playoff game. And that was against the Sonics in game one of the 2000 playoffs. That was was the only time something like that had ever happened. And that team, we knew, wasn't really going very far. Or we didn't expect to. Um, The Spurs were still really good. The Lakers were great that year. The Blazers were good. Different discussion. So, what Mitchell has done, it's four games. It's out of this world. And in Jazz history, we've had multiple MVPs. Uh, We've had Defensive Player of the Year, All-Stars, Olympic Gold Medalists, Dream Teamers. We've had a lot of success in the history of the franchise without a championship. But a player in his third year hitting superstar level and showing it, that's only happened maybe once, like I said, the 1988 Carmel and playoff year compared to now. Two 50-point games that he's racked up in this series. It's not like he's taking 58 shots to get those 50-plus points. It's not like he's actually hurting the team when you look at what he's doing uh, to get his high level of points. He's doing it while winning the series, not just, you know, putting up a good individual performance. And he's at a scary good level. Scary good. I mentioned that Malone, 88 year, by the way. Three straight games at the end of a four-game series with Portland. He scored 37, 35, and 38. He averaged 29 and 12 during that Lakers series. And he had 31-15 and 15 in Game 7 where they lost to a great team. So even though Carl Malone was a pretty dang good athlete and had a really good April from what I'm seeing on his uh, game logs uh, back in that 1988 year, those playoff performances where he started to really turn the heads of a lot of people. And that's what Donovan Mitchell's doing right now. People may have known who he is, but now there's a different level of respect that it's coming with. A totally different level. I mean, Devin Booker's put up huge performances in his past. He's had to rack up the volume of shots. He's had to completely, you know, do it all himself and all of that. Donovan's hitting clutch shots, big-time plays, good assist to go with it, you know, playing tough, out there, making his teammates better, all the things that you want to see, not just from a winner, but a potential future champion. So at the beginning of this series, I talked about how the weakness was going to decide the series with the Jazz and Nuggets. I still believe that, and the Nuggets defense has spoken for itself. But what I didn't expect, like I said, is to see a young star player in his third year hit an elite level as a playmaker and a star in this league. Because one thing to be an all-star, right, and be in the all-star game, Darren was there, Carlos Boozer, Andre Karolinko, Mehmet O'Kerr, none of those dudes are Hall of Famers. All of those guys had some limitation, and that, that kept them from reaching ultimate levels. Some of it was self-inflicted, and we can go into that another day. But none of those dudes ever hit the level that Mitchell is about to hit, or may ha- it's possible he's already hit. So like I said, one thing to be in the All-Star game, another thing to be you know, an elite player. Donovan's moving to that category. He's cracking into that category. And he's doing it with toughness, leadership, and humility. Just watch the way he gets where he wants to go with ease. Same stuff that the greatest players in the game have been able to do. Was able to get to his spots, get the shots he wanted, the floater, the jump shot, the crossover and and rising up. All of that with the confidence and rhythm uninterrupted. But nothing impressed me more about his performance than what he said after the game. You Remember this? He was told he's only the third player to have multiple 50-point games in a playoff series. Michael Jordan, Allen Iverson, they're the only two. So what does that mean to him? Here's what he had to say. They won. I haven't done anything yet, uh, to be honest with you. All was—all we did was win game four. Um, 50's 50, but, you know, we're looking to close the series out, man. I, I mean, I, I'm honored to be in that category, don't get me wrong, and I'm very humbled and blessed, but, you know, we, we still got one more game left, Jared. And- That's the first thing that came to his mind. He knows that all of it doesn't matter. None of these individual achievements will, will be viewed as anything other than hollow if he doesn't go out there and mix winning with it. I think he believes that his individual achievements are hollow if he doesn't win and if he doesn't make his teammates better. I think he believes that if he doesn't win and he doesn't make his teammates better, those individual achievements look really hollow. We were watching something really special two years ago with Mitchell. It was right there in the playoffs, at Oklahoma City, even at Houston, everything that was going on. And we're watching something really special with him now, right? So the first time I ever met Donovan Mitchell, I knew there were three reasons he was going to get the most out of what he's made of. I didn't know he would hit elite-level, superstar-caliber-type player, but I knew, you know what, this guy's going to give himself as good a chance as any. Three reasons. Number one, honesty. His honesty was so genuine as well so genuine it really wraps into his authenticity if you really get down to it which was the other thing i was really impressed by so donovan every time i talked to him impressed me when he talked about what he was doing well what he was struggling with and when he talked about his shortcomings or even his successes he wasn't just doing it to say the right things because i'll be honest i've had times where i walk into a locker room or have had a chance to speak with young players And they will many times be saying something to me, and you know it's an approved statement. They're just trying to say the right thing. They don't know if they actually believe it. They just know that that is the right thing they're supposed to say. It came from a menu that was handed to them before they did an interview. That has never been the case with Donovan. He's constantly taking responsibility, and it's not just fake accountability. It's very real because then he'll get very specific about what he's talking about. He does not believe in token criticisms of himself, token compliments towards his teammates. He just doesn't believe in any other way of doing it other than being real. Number two his hunger. No player out there is going to admit that they don't have a great work ethic. But I had a chance to watch several players go out there and be really talented while not really having the hunger to do what it takes to win at a high level, right? Didn't have the hunger to get better every day, Didn't have the hunger to make their teammates better. Coaches spoke highly of them. They said the right things. But no, they didn't have what Donovan has, which is a white, hot desire that has been obvious to you, the fan, while you've been watching him. I've had a chance to watch it up close in my career, and it's been a real pleasure. Like, it's really, really special. Number three, humility. You heard what he said after being told that he's one of the three players to accomplish 50 points more than once in a playoff series. His answer was immediately to the importance of winning. Like, so we talked about it. His individual accolades, they mean nothing to him if the team doesn't win. Because he knows there's a reason why Tracy McGrady and Carmelo Anthony are not looked at the same as someone like Dirk Nowitzki. That's because Dirk won a lot of games and even took home a title. Tracy McGrady had crazy amounts of talent, and when he was the face of his team, they never even got out of the first round, if I remember right. I know they didn't enjoy ultimate success, They always felt more like, you know, there was a shortcoming. There was a disappointment. They should have been better. It always felt that way when involving Tracy McGrady and those Houston Rockets teams or even the Orlando Magic. Sad story. So Donovan's humility is something I'm always going to look at as something that gave me confidence and belief that he could reach, you know, his full potential. I didn't know the full potential would be superstar level in 2017, but as you watched him keep uh, uh, continue to grow in that rookie year, he was fantastic, and you knew that the ceiling was nowhere in sight. Uh, I have an episode on Kobe Bryant that you should check out. It was the eight twenty four episode where I point out that Bryant was the best I've ever seen with balancing performance ego and personal ego. And it, it was crazy impressive, and you can hear more about it after you finish this episode. But I also point out that the best player who's been the closest to that balance is Donovan Mitchell. Extreme performance ego. Blocked by Millsap, stared down by Millsap, and then you know what happened next. He hits the huge three-pointer, had his choice words for the former jazz man, going off as he goes to the huddle. He is high level with performance ego, and he should be. He's exactly what you want when you're talking about that, and he's also exactly what you want when you involve him in personal ego. Good teammate, good leader. Wants to be honest, wants to be humble, wants to be hardworking. He's got that hunger. Now, here's the fun part about being great in this league. When the water gets red and you smell blood, you put the series away. Michael, Kobe, some of the other great players in this game, they knew how to end a series when it needed to be over. That's a great test for this Jazz team and for Donovan. Donovan needs to make sure that he gives Denver no chance to come up for air in game five. Kobe did that to the Jazz in 09. Did it in 2010. Now it's Donovan's turn to do this to the Nuggets in 2020. By no means does that mean Mitchell is as accomplished as Kobe or that he'll hit that level. But it doesn't mean he can't come out with a killer instinct that someone like Kobe had. So while Mitchell is the story of this series, it cannot be forgotten just how good Gobert has been. Just how well the team has executed on every possession throughout the series. Mike Conley's return has been spectacular. And Quinn Snyder over Mike Malone was the quiet mismatch in this series. And, by the way, that's no longer a quiet secret. It's glaring just how good Quinn Snyder is. We talked about it before the series even started. The last thing you want to do if your Utah is let up, I think they got the best shot from Denver in Game 4. I think they'll get the best shot from Denver to start Game 5. But if you can put them down early, make that team quit, they've quit before, and they'll quit again. So I don't know how this playoff run is going to end for most teams out there, and that includes the Jazz. That's because the bubble has brought more variables than I think we've ever seen before. But I do know that coming into the year, looking at all the reasons the Jazz would or wouldn't reach the level of expectation that people put forward for them, one of those reasons that they could hit that level of maybe light contender or contender is Donovan Mitchell emerging as a premier player. When thinking of what that would look like, I never saw him averaging nearly 40 points a game through four, points, uh, uh, through four games rather of a playoff series and completely owning a team every single night. That I didn't see. Mitchell is already the third best player in Jazz history, in my opinion, in terms of impact, in terms of star level play. I don't think anyone outside of Stockton or Malone has hit this level. Not when you combine, like I said, high-level, star-level uh, star play, winning, and being the best player on the court. And I, by the way, I know it's recent, and the rule is you have to wait so long to make that decision because then people get after you for having recency bias. Well, no, I've, I've watched and studied jazz basketball my entire life. He's better than Darren. He's better than Hornacek. He's better than Boozer. He's better than Dantley. He's better than Eaton. They never hit this level. They never, ever hit this level. You can pull up some films of Darren from March of 2008 if you want. But when it comes to April and May, and in this situation, you know, August and September, um, you did not see this level of play. Nope. 57 points, 51 points, averaging 40 points through four games of a playoff series? Uh-uh. Nope. Not those guys. They were good, but they weren't this good. Carl was the MVP of the league multiple times. Stockton's impact on the game was incredible. You know, especially during some of those playoff runs. So, of course, winning is going to be a part of what we're talking about. But if I'm going to dial in on quality of play to the individual on the playoff stages and their impact on the team and the game, Mitchell's already hit spot number three. Don't care if it's your number three. He's hit that spot. Um, And we're, you know. We're, we're, we're not watching some cool moments in this guy's career where we look back at it like we did, let's say, you know, Michael Red or Ben Gordon or Antoine Walker or Latrell Sprewell or Baron Davis or Gilbert Arenas or Steve Francis. No, he's, he's, he's well ahead of that group, and I got news for you. He's here to stay. He's here to stay for a long time. Those guys were here to come and go and show some immaturity with some of them and, and kind of be a flash in the pan. I don't think that's the case for this dude. I just, I don't, I think he's here to stay. And I think his mental makeup is one of the biggest reasons why. I think being coached by one of the best coaches in the NBA is one of the reasons why. Plays for a very good organization. That's a huge reason why. Those things are all lining up for him. And I don't know where he'll spend all of his 18 years, let's say, or 16 years of being in the NBA. But if this dude has a healthy career, no matter where he's at, he's going to have star level play. So in my opinion, when he's done playing in a Jazz uniform, it'll be widely understood he's the third best player in franchise history at worst, at worst. While I have a chance, I'm going to let you know about peak three-on-three basketball. It's coming your way September 26th through October 24th. It is a great option for your kids if you're looking uh, for an environment that's going to be safe and fun to be a part of that has kind of that right combination of cooperative and competitive environment. Uh, it's for grades three through 12 and teams can be as big as six you'll get a total of eight games over the course of four Saturdays so two games a week they'll take UEA weekend off by the way so if your child is already doing something like soccer this fall or some other activity where the games are usually in the early part of the day well most of these games are going to be taking place later than those games so at very least Take a look into it. See if it works for your family, for your schedule. Go to peak3on3basketball.com. Farmington City has done a great job of working on this to make sure that their facility, uh, the Farmington City Gymnasium, is perfect for this. And if you haven't been there before, uh, you should check it out. So go to their website, peak3on3basketball.com. And uh, if you tell them I sent you, you can still get the early bird price after it has expired. And If you're a Farmington resident, you get 30% off. It's going to be a fabulous value for your money. And um, speaking of the money, real quickly, uh, some people probably have questions about what happens if something takes place to cancel the games uh, because of the uncertainty of COVID-19. They have made it very clear you'll get your money back 100% if none of the games are played uh, for whatever reason. And then if some of the games are played, you'll be refunded. Uh, for the exact number of games that are not so for instance if 25 percent of games are played you'll get 75 percent of your money back 50 percent of them are played you'll get 50 percent of your money back so they've set this up really well in case anything crazy were to happen during all of this really uncertain time and uh, Farmington City has uh, has done a terrific job to ensure fairness and safety uh, have come before everything else so peak three on three basketball.com that is the place to go For more information, you'll find something fun for your kids while also having something safe for them to do uh, this fall. Um, Because we know basketball in the fall has kind of become the norm in 2020, right? So let's refocus back to the series. Some of the concerns going forward. That was a bad defensive game for the Jazz. Actually, really bad. Uh, Anytime a team gives up 137 points per 100 possessions, you can't come away saying that was a good defensive game. Now, as a great result, they won. They won but it was not a good defensive game. And this was after having a terrific defensive game on Friday. So uh, Sunday, the Jazz did a pretty good job of allowing 5% of Denver shots to come from the corner three. The problem is the Nuggets did shoot 42% from three-point land above the break. The Jazz shot 52%, by the way, with the -the above-the-break three-pointer, which is tremendous. So most of their shots were wide open. The Nuggets just aren't going to do that much to keep the Jazz from running their stuff. The Jazz had an effective field goal percentage of 67%, and even when they trailed for a lot of the night, you didn't feel like the Nuggets were going to get, like, the stops they needed to win the game, right? So well before uh, this series even started, we thought we might see that, and that has started to come to fruition. Uh, Well before the postseason started, I was asked by Spence Chekets what I felt great about when looking at the Jazz and, and whether or not I thought they could get out of the first round. One of the things I felt great about was Mike Conley because he started to look like the Conley we were hoping for when he was acquired by the Jazz. Uh, that was a really great thing. Last night, you saw the floater with the right hand, right? Uh, you saw what he did with the, the quality three-point shooting. Um, you know, he's he started to really play the way the Jazz thought he would when they acquired him. And, you know, this is this is a huge step into Utah's chances and hopes of becoming a contender. He's 11 of 16 from three after returning to the bubble. And while opposing teams are already dealing with some headaches that come with defending the Jazz, and there are plenty uh, to deal with with this Jazz team and the way they operate offensively, if this guy's playing well, it becomes a real struggle to figure out what to do if you're on the defensive end. Especially, I mean, I don't expect him to hit uh, 11 of 16 from three at that kind of clip, but I expect him to take really good-look threes and knock a lot of them down. And yes, by the way, we're all wondering what happens to this team if Bogey had been healthy and playing. But when this team started the season, it wasn't just about getting to the playoffs, it was about thriving. And this team now, with the playoffs starting, has started to thrive. And fans should be jacked about the hopes of what's coming next. Because while no one is predicting a championship parade for this team, they're seeing some things that give them the better chance at achieving postseason greatness, I should say, than what they had before. I mean, it's much better than what they had before. So now the big thing coming up is to make sure that you get rid of the Nuggets in five games. That's a big deal. This game, this game five, is enormous. It would be great for Quinn and this team to have some time to rest before they get ready to face a Clippers team or a Mavericks team that could very well be in a seven-game dogfight. In all of Quinn's seasons, where he's made it to the second round, two different years, right? In all of those years, he had to do such a quick turnaround that the first game was simply just trying to empty your cup, right? Like, you just got done with this grueling series. This other team's been waiting for you. Travel, road game, uh, sometimes a day game. I, You don't have nearly as much time to be as ready as the other team. Then in game two, that's when they seem to give themselves a chance to win, even with a roster that was nowhere near as good as, you know, championship level. Um... You know that they were facing the teams they were facing; those were championship caliber teams. The Jazz didn't have near near as much firepower, so the Golden State series they were not going to win Game Two. Uh, the Houston series they did win Game Two. So if the Jazz were able to get rid of the Nuggets in five, they get the chance for Quinn to be on the opposite side of this thing, where he gets to dissect everything about their upcoming opponent. And now it's the opponent trying to get their footing after surviving a grueling series while Utah is set to get the head start in the second round. Because that series is going to go at least six games, and I think it'll probably go seven. And on top of that, Utah showing to have more firepower than they did compared to 17 and 18. I mean, no promises on what's going to happen, but things are really looking better for their chances at doing something fun in the playoffs for the first time since around 2007, 2008. And in the end, I feel like Utah's best players are better than the best players they had in those years. And their very best player, Donovan Mitchell, is quickly becoming a championship-level superstar with his individual play. Now we get to see if Utah can collectively make that happen now and building towards the future. Thanks again for listening to the Tony Parks Podcast. Email me with all of your feedback, tonyparks801 at gmail.com. Uh, you can also follow me on all forms of social media, at Tony Parks801. Thanks for tuning in wherever you might be, whether it's Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and, of course, right here on the Utah Podcast Network. Do not forget about the three-on-three basketball games taking place in Farmington City September 26th through October 24th. Your kids are going to love having the chance to play in a very safe environment while enjoying competing in the game of basketball. Sign up today at peak three-on-three Basketball. Thanks so much for listening to the Tony Parks Podcast right here on the Utah Podcast Network.